Hello, fellow educators, and welcome to episode 47 of the West Virginia Leaders of Literacy podcast. I'm your host, Becky Lewis, and joining me today are my co-host, Samantha Statler, and fellow early and elementary learning specialist, Carrie Templeton. Our conversation today is going to focus on school readiness skills and how to build those from infancy. Welcome to the West Virginia Leaders of Literacy podcast, where we engage in educational conversations to strengthen early literacy in West Virginia. Are you ready to become a leader of literacy? Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining us today. Sam, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about the topic that we're getting ready to discuss. Yes, Becky, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today also, and I know our listeners are really going to enjoy this discussion. So today we are going to focus on that school readiness component of the West Virginia campaign for grade level reading. And it's not just a component of our campaign work, but it's also the reason behind the West Virginia Department of Education's Ready, Set, Go initiative. So just a reminder to our audience that that Ready, Set, Go framework defines school readiness, not as ensuring that children are ready for school, but rather ensuring that our families, schools, and communities and the state are ready to meet the individual needs of children. And part of that is providing resources to encourage increased public understanding of developmental milestones in those early years. Sam, thanks for that excellent reminder about Ready, Set, Go. I love every time that we can make a connection with the West Virginia Department of Education. So as you alluded, Sam, this episode is going to focus on how children develop those early learning milestones during their first year of life. And this is really a critical topic for all educators and especially us to discuss because it ties in directly to that third grade achievement gap. In episode 25, my colleague Brandy Turner and I discussed the importance of building foundational interactions to support child development. So for any listeners who haven't checked out that episode, that's a great connecting episode to this one. And so in that episode, what Brandy and I talked about was on a high level about the different developmental milestones that occur from birth to age five, how early educators, especially those in pre-K and kindergarten settings, can build upon those milestones in their classrooms. We know that learning to read is built on a foundation of language skills that begin at birth, and it really is a complicated process. Uh, Most of our students are able to develop certain skills as they move through those early stages of learning language. And a really interesting piece of research that I just wanted to share with you, Sam, and our audience was conducted by Moon, Cooper, and Pfeiffer. And what they have revealed was that infants who are only two days old are able to recognize and show preference for their native language. Wow, Becky, I really never considered the fact that language development began that soon after birth. I mean, two days old, that they're pretty much still new at that point. And I think this, along with what we know about that oral language development in those early years, is a strong indicator of that later academic achievement. And that really highlights the importance that all of our children from infancy um, on are meeting those early learning milestones. Sam, you're absolutely right. Um, But before we get any further into this discussion, I want to welcome and introduce a new voice to the show. 
uh, one of our new early and elementary learning specialist, Carrie Templeton. Carrie, welcome to the show, and we're really happy to have you here as part of this discussion. Thanks, friends. I am so thrilled to be on the show with you all, and I look forward to our conversation today. Yes. Welcome, Carrie. Since this is your first time on the West Virginia Leaders of Literacy podcast, would you mind telling our listeners just a little bit about yourself and your journey in education up to this point? Sure, I'd be happy to. So I have a truly diverse background in education that includes the time I've spent serving as a special education teacher. I was a third grade teacher and uh, most recently as a gifted intervention specialist in the classroom. And then I've served the last three years prior to coming on board here as an elementary assistant principal and elementary principal. I just have such a passion for education, and I love sharing this passion with others. So I'm so thrilled about today's episode. Thanks for sharing your educational journey with us, Carrie. And let me just say how excited I am that you have joined our team because you have such a diverse background from the rest of us. So focusing back on our topic today, which again is centered on infants from birth to 12 months and how they learn to develop those school readiness skills. So Carrie, you shared a website with us from an organization called Zero to Three, and it provides a lot of insight on how infants develop school readiness skills, such as language and literacy, thinking skills, and self-confidence. Right, Becky. And I thought this was an important resource to share with our audience because it's a great reminder that it's never too early to begin developing these skills. This is also a resource that teachers could share with their families if they know they have little ones at home. It's super user-friendly and has a lot of information around several topics such as early development and well-being, early learning, parenting, and policy and advocacy. It has been several years since my children were this age, but it's important for me as an educator to remember that through these important early learning skills that children get their start through those everyday moments between infants and adults and support others with this understanding as well. The idea of babies and toddlers talking, having that back and forth conversation and reading seems incredible, but language and literacy starts from birth. Yes, and Carrie, you are absolutely right. As a first-time mom of a now three-year-old, which is so hard to believe, um, it's truly just been an amazing journey to watch my daughter grow. And both of you are mothers as well, so I know that you can also share that experience. Um, When Honey was just an infant, just a little baby, I would just sit in amazement with how she would try to communicate with me, with sounds she would make, or facial expressions, and just even using different gestures. Something for our listeners to keep in mind is that it isn't necessary to teach our infants through like a formal class or activity, but just through that day-to-day interaction with them is really where they're going to soak up all of that information like a little sponge. That is so true, Sam. It's through those everyday moments with your child that they will pick up on those early language and literacy skills. For example, reading books to them, talking to them, and especially laughing and just playing together. Children are going to pick up on language when you talk to them, and they communicate back to you by hearing stories read and songs sung aloud. Giving your little ones the chance to explore books and other written resources like magazines, restaurant menus, newspapers, etc. Yeah, those are all really great ideas, Carrie. Um, But I do want to shift our 
attention to resources from zero to three and share with our listeners some of the activities listed there to support infants in developing those early language and literacy skills. One of the first things that you can do is to use books as part of your infant's daily routine. So that could be reading a book at nap time or bedtime. You can even get books that are waterproof that you can put in the bath or they can play outside with um, the sprinkler in the pool. Um, You can also pack a book with you when you're running errands and let your little one hold on to it. So for example, if you are in the grocery store and they're sitting there in the cart, you can pull out a book to support them with that love of learning and just getting them used to having books around all the time. Yes, Becky, give me all of the books. (laughs) I have a natural love for reading and might even consider myself to be a book hoarder. So buying books for my daughter has always been something that I truly enjoyed. And I have to remind our listeners, if you are in the state of West Virginia, if you are a resident, we are statewide with our Dolly Parton Imagination Library, which means little ones from birth to age five can receive one free book a month. So if you aren't sure that maybe you can purchase books as often as you like, I highly suggest that you check out registering your child or a child maybe that you know for this um, or any children that fall in that age range because it's just a great opportunity to get those books in your home. Right, Sam, that is a great reminder. We love supporting the Dolly Parton Imagination Library and all of the great resources that it offers to families. Um, One of the resources too, when you sign up is there are family newsletters that are created that go along with each book. So that might be something else you want to look out for. Um, Aside from the Imagination Library, another way to get your hands on more books very cheaply is to go to thrift stores and yard sales and Goodwill. They're really great places to look. Um, There are even many, many free little libraries that have popped up throughout the state that you can go to to see if there's books for your little one in there. I love that recommendation of the little free libraries. So other than just having books around your home for your infant, another recommendation is to read to your child or the children that you're working with. And that while you're reading, you're using different voices for different characters and reading with expression. I know from my personal experiences with my children and my nieces and nephews that little ones love when adults can tap into that silliness. It really makes the listening experience more exciting and more engaging for them. Yeah, you make a really great point there, Carrie, when you mentioned reading with different voices for different characters. My little girl has even picked up on that whenever we're playing dress up or make believe together. Um, I think of Cinderella because that's just kind of been a favorite of hers lately, that anytime she's pretending to be that wicked stepmother character, she talks a lot louder and with a very stern tone of voice and just her facial expression is very serious, um, which just shows that you know, our little ones are picking up on these things. Something else that is important for us to do is to let our infants read in their own way. So when Honora was younger, she used to only want to sit and listen to me read for like 
20 seconds or so. And that teacher part of me really struggled with that because, you know, I wanted her to sit still and let me finish the book with her. And um, I wanted her to like want to sit there and finish the book with me. But I learned to follow her lead and just to keep that reading time as positive as possible. I think that's a really important point, Sam, that a lot of us forget. Their attention spans when they're little are much shorter than ours. So yeah, definitely making it a positive experience for them uh, because that's what we want. We want them to keep coming back to the book. So don't make them sit there if they just want to get up and move around. And going back to um, the different characters and the silliness, I think children and adults of any age really enjoy when a reader can do this and make a book come alive through their facial expressions and their tone of voice and just all the drama that they can add to it. So I know that I really enjoy that. Um, Carrie, what's another idea that this website talked about? Well, Becky, a simple activity with a little bit of prep work that a caregiver can do with the children in their care to help promote language and literacy is to make a picture album. You could get some pictures printed of your child and some of the important people in his or her life and label them with their name. You can hole punch the pictures and tie them together with string or yarn. Your little one will love seeing pictures of the people they love and hear you talk about. You can even add in family pets or places that your child visits often to widen that range of vocabulary you are using with them. That is such a great idea. And I'd actually never thought about that before. Um, But just, you know, I love that idea of tying the pictures together, you know, not necessarily gluing them down. This really gives the children that freedom to carry those pictures around and look at them. Because when we think, you know, we usually have our family pictures like up on the walls and our, our children can't reach those things. So I really enjoyed that idea. And Sam, this reminds me of something that I did for my oldest when she was an infant. Um, Her dad was stationed overseas. So I made a photo album just of different pictures of her dad in different settings so that while he was away, she could see daddy in these pictures. And she had that album that we could connect to and tie to and she could carry around with her. So it was a really great option for her. Yes. And, you know, there's definitely something to be said about the magic of printed pictures, right? Because we have them on our phones now and we just don't have as many photo albums in general. So um, there's definitely something to say about how important that is and just to have that, you know, handheld thing. Um, It actually kind of reminds me of another activity that is from this website, which is just singing and teaching those finger play songs. So these are songs that have those hand movements that go along with them. And these finger plays really help our infants develop that muscle strength and coordination in their fingers, which actually helps them later learn how to draw and write. So one of my favorites is that classic like pat a cake song, but I also really enjoy the where is Thumpkin and even the classic wheels on the bus. Right. And my favorite one to do with my girls when they were little was where is Thumpkin? Because even as infants, they're sitting there and they're smiling and they're giggling and they're trying to wiggle their fingers with me. So it was really cute. And I could tell that they were really getting a lot out of that activity. What's most important kind of about all of these activities that we've mentioned, the reading, the photo albums, the finger plays, it's just to make it fun for both of you. Um, it's important for you to have fun with your child and your child to see a positive, happy experience. It's also important to keep in mind that, um, 
while we're building these literacy skills, literacy is a huge process that builds incrementally over time. It's not something that's just going to happen all at once. Um, I think all the activities that we have shared in this discussion so far come together to support a crucial school readiness skill, which is the development of self-confidence. Children have to feel safe and secure to be able to develop that sense of self-confidence. Of course, when we're reading and playing and singing to infants, we are inevitably helping them to develop that feeling of safety and security. So what's interesting is that research says that babies who are more confident and freely explore um, and learn are those infants that are in an environment in which they have a loving adult that is there with them. So um, these babies tend to crawl off on their own. So if your child tends to crawl off on your own to check something out, kind of wait for them because you are their security or their home base. And when they need you, they'll come back to you. And that lets them build that competency. Um, and, and that just starts it. So um, we know that being confident and developing that sense of self-confidence is easier for babies um, to then later on move to school settings because they're going to carry that with them and that sense of security. Right, Becky. Helping infants to establish that sense of security is so important. You help develop that sense of safety and security with infants when you respond to their cries and other communications. For example, like you talked about, picking them up if they need to be comforted or getting a toy down for them if they are pointing to it and making noises. Giving lots of attention and affection to infants really helps establish that strong bond between you that makes them feel safe enough to begin to move away from you and explore little by little. And that moving away demonstrates that the infants in your care have learned to trust you and that trust helps to give them confidence. Yeah. And to just add to that, we want our babies to feel good about themselves and in their abilities to do things. So babies learn that I can do it feeling when they succeed at something or develop a new skill. And I can picture that little grin honey used to get when, you know, she would push the right button on a toy, maybe to get it to play the song that she liked. And I was always right there to just reaffirm her actions and tell her what a great job that she did. Babies can also develop a positive sense of self-esteem and self-confidence through that play and interactions they have with adults in their lives. So just reflecting that message of you worked so hard, you're so brave, or you know, you make me laugh, and so on, those are all statements or phrases that our babies need to hear just to help them continue to develop that sense of self. Sam, I love how you are incorporating such positive language when we're speaking to our infants, which is so vital to their development of self-confidence. And I know sometimes as a parent, it can be easier to just complete the task for your infant if you see them struggling, but we want our children to develop into good problem solvers. Sam, I would love to know if your thoughts on how can we as caregivers provide that support our infant might need instead of just doing it for them. Well, you know, I think this is something that all new caregivers wonder. I know that in the zero to three resource that we have been referencing today, they actually have a section on this. So one way to support infants who are struggling to maybe solve an issue or a problem is to provide that hands-on support to help them complete something. So maybe like helping them push the block into the right hole or supporting them as they are working on standing up. 
It is also important to make sure that you are doing activities that are just enough of a challenge. You want your infant to be interested, but also within their ability to master whatever it is that they're doing. And lastly, providing that emotional support by facial expressions and words to encourage your baby as they're working on a task. So just share in that joy with them when they succeed and be encouraging whenever it's needed. Those are some great shares, Sam. The one that really resonated with me was the last bit you shared about being an emotional support. Our words matter so much. The more encouraging words we pour into our children, the more confident they are going to be. So even though that may not seem like a big task for caregivers to take on, the lasting effects of it are beyond worth it. Absolutely, Carrie. And also remembering that our reactions matter because our children are constantly watching us and they learn by watching and imitating the people that are there in their lives most often, which you know, is first and foremost ourselves and other educators and other family members. So when you go with your child into a new situation or a place, they're really watching you closely to see how you react. So if you're calm and confident and happy, what that lets your child know is that this is a safe place and a safe situation for them. So think about times when you do have to uh, separate from your child, like leaving them at a childcare provider or with a family member or a babysitter. They're going to feel, they're likely to feel more safe and adjust quicker to your absence if you leave them with a big hug and tell them in an upbeat voice and a positive tone that they're going to have a great day. Because if they see you crying or upset, that's just going to make them feel easy and make the separation that much harder. So just be aware of your reactions and um, how you model your behavior in different situations. That's totally correct, Becky. And there are lots of ways that you can also help an infant with their thinking skills. As I'm sure you know, all children, but especially infants, make sense of the world around them through exposure to activities and their interactions with trusted adults. Yes, Carrie, and I know that babies are also learning through their senses. So knowing these two things, um, Carrie, what are some strategies and tips that you read about from our resource that you can share with our listeners to just help families support their child's thinking skills? Well, for one, you can encourage curiosity in your infant. One way to do this is to offer objects that have different textures and materials. For example, you could offer your child a wooden spoon and a metal spoon and allow them to explore the differences in these two spoons. Or you could let the baby feel two different pieces of fabrics, one furry and one bumpy. This allows them to use their senses in a way that encourages that curiosity and thinking skills we just talked about. As the caregiver, model the way these objects are touched in a different way. You may rub the fur, but only pat the bumpy fabric. Babies love to imitate, and it teaches them that there is a different reaction between two items. That's a great idea, Carrie, and I really like how common all of these objects are and that you can find them in any household. You don't have to buy anything special to encourage that curiosity. And also, while you're showing them, verbalizing and doing that self-talk is great to allow your babies to hear that vocabulary that you're using as you're modeling, like the different ways you rub or pat a fabric or how it feels. So 
um, add some language in there as you're doing those demonstrations as well. Absolutely. And there's some other ways to encourage curiosity that are simple. One idea is to go on a quote-unquote touching walk where you simply go on a walk and have the child touch different objects such as a bumpy tree bark or a crunchy leaf. And while you are having the infant touch these objects, just like you said, Becky, keep talking with them about the different objects and the feelings. Yeah. And I bet you could also do like a hearing walk where you listen and discover different sounds and noises. And while you're hearing these sounds, you know, again, identifying them out loud for the infant would just be super important. Absolutely. By encouraging curiosity through discovering differences in objects, you're developing these thinking skills. I remember my daughter Hadley loved to be a part of discovering what sounds objects made in the kitchen. She would often bang on different pots and pans and laugh as she was coming across the different noises. She would just light up when doing this and loved making sense of her world independently. Though I might have had a headache at the end. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I know she was conducting her own problem-solving experiment. I can remember both of my girls doing that as well. Just anything that they could tap on or bang, they were seeing what kinds of noises it would make. So, well, Carrie, these are some great examples that you've given. They're very doable, very practical that our listeners out there or childcare providers can use to help support an infant in developing those thinking skills. So thank you. Yes, I truly want to emphasize that you don't have to buy anything special to develop a baby's language and literacy skills. It's really their natural curiosity and excitement to discover the world around them with guidance from a trusted caregiver that makes all the difference. Yeah. I have really enjoyed our conversation so much today, and I know our listeners will find a lot of helpful information that we shared, and hopefully they can begin to implement some of the activities. So as we close today, Carrie, I would love for you to share maybe one tip or piece of advice that you could provide our listeners about supporting infants with school readiness. Thanks for that question, Sam. If I were to share one piece of advice, it is do not stop engaging your infant in language, communication, and activities. It doesn't have to be anything fancy or formal at all because infants are constantly learning through everyday experiences and our engagement with them. For links to all the resources discussed in this episode and for additional information, please visit our website at wvde.us forward slash leaders of literacy. Click on podcast and click on the show notes for episode 47. Want to learn more about being a leader of literacy? Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single installment. In our next episode, we're going to continue this conversation with Paula Stewart, who is from Link Child Care Research and Referral Agency in Huntington, West Virginia. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening.